Peace of Christ to you all. Well, today ends our journey through uh, the, the writings of Ecclesiastes. Um, uh, the, the, the look um, of uh, Ecclesiastes at... Uh, he's been looking at the, the whole of life from the perspective of, of the earth. And so if you've um, uh, uh, been walking with us, you've heard this before, but it's important as you, you look at Ecclesiastes, you understand that... Uh, He's really taking a hard look at life around him. What he sees under the sun. And you hear him say that over and over again. Then uh, you also um, says, as he looks around, he says, his observations say that everything is vanity. And by vanity... He sees just looking at what he can see and hear, feel, and taste and smell. It seems like it's meaningless. It seems like it's futile. That, that we are in fragile bodies that are in decline for no purpose that he can see of meaning. And so as he is on that journey, he he shares during the the course of his 12 chapters saying, here's here's what I see. And often it's just how meaningless life is. But then every once in a while he comes to a point of saying, but this I see, this I note, here's something that's good. So today we're we're just going to capture Three of those threads throughout his observations that that I think are are three of the the key points of his observations and discernment. And says, no, this, this is what I see is good. And how it applies in our own lives. Our passage today is the, the very end of the book. It's Ecclesiastes. Uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 9 through the end. It's on page 543 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there or um, if you have it in some other form, digital, analog, or whatever it uh, might be inscribed on stones. Um, Turn there if you'd, uh, you'd prefer. Whatever helps you hear God's written word. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your word that gives truth um, to us. Help us now to hear from you. Help us to set aside the, the things that can distract us. Whatever the lists are, whatever things that happened last night or the things that are supposed to happen today. Help us in the power of your Holy Spirit to truly release, to be present with you, to not waste this time on something else, but to truly experience what is meaningful 
as we encounter you. Through your written word and the power of your spirit. Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, Barry, I forgot to tell you this, but I'm going to just sort of walk through this passage and uh, we'll look at just pieces of it per time. That, that's going to make him have to do gymnastics over there. Y'all won't see it and you won't realize it, but uh, um, he's going to have to do that a little bit. Chapter 12, verse 9. Besides being wise, the teacher also taught the people knowledge. Weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs, the teacher sought to find pleasing words, and he wrote words of truth plainly. So there are, in this uh, reading, there's things where he wrote, tried to write words of encouragement, believe it or not. Um, Where he tried to write them plainly and simply. And and one of them is uh, throughout the... The, the book, um, a simple truth of enjoy the gifts that God gives you. Enjoy the gifts that God gives you. Now, just a, a couple places that he brings this out. Chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. See, this is why it's going to be hard for Barry, because I've got a few things to show you. Um, that This is where he says this very thing. There is nothing better for mortals than to eat and drink and find enjoyment in their toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from Him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Again, comes back to this refrain. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil and then actually it's five or six times but i'll just share one more with you in chapter nine verse seven through nine go eat your bread with enjoyment and drink your wine with a merry heart for god has long ago approved what you do let your garments always be white do not let oil be lacking on your head enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that are given you under the sun Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. So over and over and over again, what he says to us along the way is, do you stop and enjoy the gifts that God has given you? Over and over again, he says, now look at the good things that you have and we can stop and recount them right now. That you are here. That that you are breathing that you had food this morning, that that you can gather before God and see what is real and true and good and praise His holy name. That you didn't have to pass by machine guns today to gather here. You don't have really any fear of kidnapping. Those are are things that other Christians around the world, man, they truly fear. As I've shared with you before, some of our friends in Iraq, they had a phone chain, but it wasn't a prayer chain. It 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 was a machine gun chain. They would call each other along the, the city of Mosul. 
And they'd say, all right, do you see anybody out with machine guns? Do you see any marauders out with uh, hand grenades? No, I don't. We can meet in church today. Then they'd call the next person a couple blocks over. You see anybody? No, it's clear. We can meet to worship. Then they would call to the, the next block over. What do you see? Bad news. Okay, call. Everybody stay home. And then they'd reverse the phone chain. And everybody would stay home and worship in their home. The good gifts abound all around us. And what Ecclesiastes says, stop wasting your time whining and complaining. Stop it. Don't do it. I know this is cliche, but it really is from Ecclesiastes. Man, the glass may only be a third full. It may be two-thirds empty. But did you stop and just be thankful you had a glass? Where did the glass come from? Did you create it? Did you make the glass? And what if it's only a tenth full? Well, who made the tenth that was in there? Did you earn that? No. It's a gift. That's what he's saying, man. To stop and realize that today is a gift. That's what he's saying. So, so catch yourself today in whining and complaining help one another help one another do that in kind loving ways say you know that preacher guy said hey we need to stop whining and complaining what are we thankful for today what can we find to be thankful for you know, and if you can find nothing, then stop and find really the best thing, and that's the cross. That we can come and gather every day and worship God and ask His forgiveness and receive it. As Becky so beautifully led us today, to just come before Him and say, you know, I don't bring anything to Him. I come to receive. What a a learning to realize, you know, I think somehow I add to God. Somehow I've got to accomplish for God. And God says, no, you don't bring anything to the cross. I bring it all. You see, that's the issue. That that whining and complaining is really an arrogant, selfish thing. Because it's about me. One one of my frustrations is complaining about the weather. Because really... What good does that do? Why complain about something I can't change? Then don't carry me down. Don't bear me down by complaining about something that we can't change. And if you are complaining about something you can change, then maybe the move is to stop talking and, and go do. To go engage where you see injustice. Where you see unrighteousness. To say, I I need to pray for God's hand of healing, God's justice, God's reconciliation, or maybe I need to act in that way. So this isn't saying, don't be involved in the injustice of the world. It's really saying to look for the things to give thankful for, be thankful for. And out of gratitude, make that 
your habit. Because what really is meaningless, what really is vanity, is we complain about stuff that we can't change or we complain about stuff that we can but really don't. That's meaningless. That's what Ecclesiastes says is vain. Now, if you're one of those complainers, if you're one of the whiners, and if you don't know if that's the case, ask somebody next to you. That'll be honest to you. And this is, I mean, this is the last one in Ecclesiastes. It's time to be real. It's time to be real. It's time to say, you know, am I a complainer and a whiner? I mean, this is serious. This is heart stuff. This is soul stuff. Because the, 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 the problem is when we complain and whine, then we feel like we've done something about it, and we're stuck in our own brokenness. And we don't really engage then. Our own broke because complaining and whining is about other people. You know, it's it's a way for us to to take. It's well, it's what Jesus said when he said, "Take the log out of your own eye before you go take the speck out of somebody else's." If you remember him saying that, so that's why Ecclesiastes said, "Now, so if this is you, if you're complaining, what man? Then here's what you need. you need to practice Sabbath." You need to go find a good Jewish friend, a good Orthodox Jewish friend. Because we Christians, we don't practice Sabbath well. But a good Orthodox Jewish friend, they will, man, can I hang with you every Saturday and you teach me how to practice Sabbath? How to enjoy God. How to enjoy God's gifts. You know, how to, how to, because Sabbath is not take a vacation. Sabbath is rest and enjoy God. Sometimes I come home from vacation more exhausted than I left. I need a vacation from my vacations. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said, yeah, don't, don't hang with me when it comes to practicing Sabbath. But it's taking that time of unplugging, not accomplishing, not doing, and enjoying God. Whether it is with your children, whether it is with your spouse, whether it is with your grandparents, whether it is with your neighborhood, whether it is with the trees, whether it is with the flowers and the the, the rivers and the oceans. I mean, those are all wonderful, good gifts of God that we have to practice enjoying. So if if that's you, you know you or if your loved one says, yeah, you know, I experience you as a... Complainer and a whiner. Okay. Make a note. I, I need to practice Sabbath. Alright, uh, back to the, uh, verse 11 and 12 um, of, uh, of our, our passage. The sayings of the wise are like goads and like nails. Firmly fixed are the collected sayings that are given by one shepherd. Of anything beyond these, my children, beware. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. All right, so there's the first part, there's truth that, that we do find that the shepherd does give us. You know, and that's like, you know, enjoy the gifts of God. Find the things that are the gifts of God. In this fragile, difficult world, search for the good stuff and enjoy it before God. 
But don't get stuck on looking and looking and trying to figure out all the answers and how everything works and how everything fits together. That's not your job. You are not God. God is God. So that, uh, this was one of the favorite verses during exam time. Should have given this one to you, Becky, when you were studying for the bar. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Yeah, I thought there'd be an amen in there. I used to in fraternity house in college. I would take this one every exam season and post it on the bulletin board. Figured that was a time when a lot of my atheist friends maybe could affirm the word of God in one sentence or two a couple other passages where he where ecclesiastes brings this out that that we can't be god we can't figure it out that he's realizing in his journey finding meaning and everything under the sun he's realizing that that is futile that that attempt is meaningless that we are not capable of understanding god All right, uh, chapter 8, verse 16. When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how one's eyes see sleep, neither day nor night, then I saw all the work of God, that no one can find out what is happening under the sun. However much they may toil in seeking, they will not find it out. Even though those who are wise claim to know, they cannot find it out. Now here's, this is a great word. If you find somebody that thinks they do know the secret of the universe, run, hide, give them no money. Because they think they're God. Chapter 11, verse 5. Just as you do not know how the breath comes to the bones in the mother's womb, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hands be idle, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You do not know the work of God. We can't. No, the full mind of God. Only what God chooses to give us. The way, and it's probably um, uh, fresh with me because as a staff, we took the listening class um, together on, on Tuesday, um, the EMI listening class. And many of you have taken that, that class today and, and, and before. And, and one of the things about that particular class is it says, you know, you're not God. You can't control other people. You, you can't control the things around you. Matter of fact, I like to say, you know, the one thing that maybe I have a little bit of a control over is me. And I don't even do that well. So who am I to then try to control you? Or to try to control my children? Or to try to control my my spouse? I I try to play God. And man, that, that is meaningless. That is futile. What is meaningful is to let go of control. And to surrender to God's control. 
in, in, in preparing for this, uh, a friend said yeah, that one of the things that was helpful for, for them is that when they, they, they find their, their pattern, and a pattern that we have is that we try to control and we fail. We try to control the world around us. We try to control others. And then what that leads is we isolate or segregate. We get just with ourselves or we get just with the few people that think like we do. And what that leads to is anger. We fume. Control, segregate, fume. That's meaningless. That's vanity. What we're called to do is to surrender to God's love and God's sovereignty, to trust God. And what that leads is then to talk with other people, to engage with other people beyond our own little groups, to even purposefully get with people who are different than us and to hear how they view the world and to share how we're viewing the world and and we learn from one another. And then that leads not to anger, but to feelings and to feel. To feel how we feel and to recognize how we feel when we're with people who think differently than, than, than we are. And often, when we're in that place, the, the feeling becomes helplessness because I can't control it. I, I can't control other, what other people do, what other people think. And sometimes I can't even control how I'm feeling. But you know what? It's a lot easier for us in the short run to feel anger than helplessness. But that's the journey that we're on. That we're, we surrender, submit, we trust God's sovereign control. And at times we're helpless. And we need to stay there. And not try to fix it. Not try to control it. But simply to say, I submit and trust. And as Isaiah the prophet said, I wait upon you, holy God. And you will renew my strength. It's really a real problem, especially if we're people of, of means. Money covers a multitude of sins and feeds the idolatry of control. Because with money, we can control so much. We don't have to complain about the weather. We can control the climate in our own homes. I'm not against air conditioning and heating. I think they're a really good thing. But, But as an example of how we can control things that really aren't in our control, so our, our place here is to surrender. Now, th- and, and to, to, to surrender that God is the one who, is, who knows what's going on and we're not going to be able to figure it out. Now, here, if this is you, if you're a control um, type, if you're, the, you know, that we would say, you know, type A kind of personality, and, and that, you, you know who you are because you, you can uh, address the frustration. And you, you've seen the anger. You, you, you've seen that journey from control, isolation, anger. You've seen it. And you've lived it. 
when you're ready. It's not practicing Sabbath's a good thing. Everybody should do it. But particularly on this one, this is an interesting charge to you. Put yourself in a place where you're helpless. Take a day a week and go volunteer at the Alzheimer's Center over at Landfair. You're not going to fix anything. But you can love some people. You can simply care for some people. You're not going to cure them. But you know, you don't cure anybody. You don't fix anybody. And, and from the listening class, you know, it's God cures, we care. So put yourself in that. Go to a hospital and volunteer in a hospital where you know, you're just caring for people. Oh, no, this is hard. This is, this, is a, this is a tough prescription. But it's one that we, especially in our age and in our means, man, this is one we've got to really learn and grow into. How do we learn to be helpless before God so that God then can help us? So it may be in that way, Alzheimer's. It may be in the hospital. It may go or go volunteer in a prison. Go, 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 go help. The death row. You know that that, that those kind of things. It, again, God may be nudging you right now and saying, you know, that's what I need to do. And maybe it's something you need to do, but you're not ready to do it today. Okay, God, help me be ready. Go do that. Because what's meaningful is, is to learn to trust and depend and be helpless before God so that He is the one who helps. All right, then finally, in uh, uh, verse 13 and 14, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Okay? Here you go. Fear God. Keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of everyone. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Duh. You know, we read this whole book, had an eight-week series just to get to this. Obey God. Oh, yeah. Because we are creative idolaters. We are amazingly creative in our disobedience. And it sneaks through uh, all the time the simple point that, again, this is sort of about control. The one thing I have some control over, the one thing that I have responsibility for is me and my obedience to God. And I believe any time that this comes up so clearly in a passage and in, in my own heart before you, there are some of us here today who simply are living in disobedience. And God needs to bring that to your mind right now. If you hadn't already. Maybe He brought it already when we were in a time of confession. Let's take a minute for God to reveal our disobedience.
Now, now a key thing here, disobedience, when we see our disobedience, that's, that's reason to praise God. You know, when we come to confession, that's, that's still about God. God's still the center of our heart. Not, not me. If I make it about my sin and I get all beat up myself up and I get all shameful and all that kind of stuff, you know what, that, that's about me. When, when I see my sin, then I see, man, God's grace is even greater than this. That's praising God. Even in confession, it is an act of praise because it shows us the grace and mercy of God. But, but I'm wondering if there's people in here who are harboring bitterness towards another. And we know clearly Jesus tells us to forgive or to ask for forgiveness. doesn't matter if you're the one that hurt the other or they're the one that hurt you. The responsibility is upon you, if that's in your mind, to go seek and ask, grant forgiveness, whatever it takes. Wondering if, if there are those who are in, in, in disobedience to your parents. Now God's clear to say, hey, we're to, to obey our, our parents. And if that's the case, then we need to come clean. It may be in your family, maybe in relationship with your children, or maybe in relationship with your spouse, that there's some way that, that you're loving something else besides the one that you've been called to love and that you've promised to love first and foremost. Maybe about money. Maybe you know, you're, you're hoarding for yourself. You're not giving to the poor. You're not giving your tithe. Maybe the Sabbath. Maybe that you're not resting, that you're taking things in your own hands and you're just working and working and working and not resting, not spending time in the Lord. Maybe hate. Maybe there's, there's hate and anger that's closely related. and You, you know that that's the case of, towards another type of person. Maybe that you're hating white people. Maybe black people. Maybe you're hating police officers. Maybe you're hating criminals. Maybe it's homosexuals or heterosexuals or transsexuals. There's hate within you. I don't care what group of people it is. That's not of the Lord. This is disobedience. And it's to be given away to Him, to surrender and confess and let Him cleanse you. And none of this is to beat us up. This is, as a good parent knows, you discipline your children, you teach them the way to go for their own benefit. And we're imperfect parents, but our perfect Heavenly Father makes it clear the things that we're to do and to say and, and how we're, we're to act in Him and, and wants at times to say, Hey, where are you disobeying me? It's leading to your destruction. And I want you to flourish. 
So whereas the beginning, it was maybe if, if your, your issue is you're not enjoying the things of God, you need to practice Sabbath and really focus on that. Maybe it's um, that you have, uh, that you've you isolated yourself and you're trying to be God, you're trying to control the world, and you need to put yourself then in a place of real helplessness and learn and grow. Let the Spirit teach you in that. Or maybe it's a particular item of, of disobedience. What, what God um, tells us clearly, our responsibility is to submit to Him in that loving, perfect, holy fear to God and to obey Him. And so the first thing I would say, if that's you, if something really has hit you in this, the first thing you do is you pray. You seek God's face. You confess that to God. And secondly, Find one other person to confess it to also. That just makes it real, doesn't it? Didn't the anxiety sort of go up when I said, hey, you need to confess it to somebody else? It's because it makes it real there. Sometimes we can sort of just tell God and it sort of keeps it separate from us. But once we tell another, and what we're, this next Sunday, you know, we got one service uh, at 10 o'clock and it's a real celebration of children and youth and their milestones. And then uh, the next Sunday for the month of September, we're going to start a series really about praying together, about how we engage with one another, with God together. And what we're going to do is even have a prayer covenant where we choose one person to pray for during the course of that uh, month. So I'm going ahead and telling you about that two weeks ahead of time so that it's not a shock to the system. You know, when, when we do that, it calls us to one anothering in a significant way. But so for us, there's a particular item that you know, well, then, and you can choose the person to tell them, um, preferably in a language they understand and that they're living. It doesn't count to find somebody that doesn't understand English and tell them. The reason we do that is because we know this is wisdom. We know it's vanity, it's meaningless if we just give lip service to God and say we want to surrender to God and we want to obey Him, but don't do the things necessary to do it. That's meaningless. What is meaningful is being a community of people who strengthen and encourage and challenge one another, help one another to hear and obey Him. That's meaningful. That's life that is flourishing. That's the life that Jesus died for us to live. Whether it was raised to conquer sin and death and will one day make this journey complete when he comes back and receives us home. But until that day, we're on this journey together that we believe and know is filled with meaning as we, in a healthy way, fear God, which is the beginning of wisdom, and do what He says. Amen.